Five, four, three, two. We have ignition and liftoff of the United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket with AEHF-6 on the first <laughs> mission for the United States Space Force. What? Wait, why? Why? Why are we watching a rocket ship now? There's a virus! There's a pandemic! Why are we talking about space travel? So what you just heard is the Atlas rocket carrying the first satellite for the United States Space Force launching from beautiful, sunny Florida yesterday. Are you... Are you serious? Well, I... That is actually happening? I think... When I saw this, what I thought was so funny is that when the United States Space Force was announced, it was absolutely hilarious. Like, it, it was a big deal at the time, but it was a big deal in the, oh my god, here's another ridiculous thing that's happening. And when I saw yesterday that this rocket launch had gone off, it, it just took me back to a pre-COVID-19 time. Wow. That... Is insane. From 87 Lafayette, this is Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. Okay, okay, so I, let, let's get this straight. Why in the middle of a pandemic is the Space Force, which honestly, I'm going to be honest, I did not even know that that was actually real. I must have missed the articles on this. So I apologize if I look like a total fool for not knowing about the Space Force. But, you know, why why are we doing that now? Don't we have a virus to fight? Absolutely. Um, But you need to remember that you can't just launch a satellite whenever you want. There's important alignment issues, right? You need to launch it at the mm. right time. Everything needs to be ready. You need to have the launch pad available. You need the booster rockets from, I think ULA is in Georgia. Like they need to be ready at the right time. Like everything is on schedule. These things are planned out so far in advance. If you think about some of the missions to Mars, for example, that stuff, they know what day they have to launch the rocket, you know, five, ten years in the future because of planetary alignment. So some things just can't stop. And sometimes the world just keeps moving, even to us as though it seems it's, you know, completely slowed down. Mm. You know, as a total aside, when I was a kid, I also built a rocket of similar strength and size to the one that we just watched. And... You are right. When launching a rocket, you really have to plan. I did check the flight schedule of my nearby airport before uh, attempting to launch my rocket. Uh, unfortunately, the launch did not go as planned, though. Uh, not nearly as successful as the launch that we that we just watched. Uh, and so it, it turns out my planning was, was unnecessary. I, w- I will say right now seems like a good time for model rocket enthusiasts in that <laughs> it, is a, it is a pretty spread out activity. There are not that many flights right now, although something interesting is there are still tons of planes, a lot less. Yeah, we're on the flight path here, so we can so see So many, so many less than normal. But when you are in a world where everyone is saying, stop traveling, stop spreading it, and yet 
the sky still has, you know, flights are canceled. A lot of flights are canceled. And a lot but, of flights are totally empty. But, but there's still so many planes. And you just have to wonder, like, are we taking this seriously? Are we not? But to go back to kind of how we started the show. Oh, I thought we were going to... We were gonna make this whole show about model rockets. No, is that not no. The plan. I think what uh, I what I what I wanted it. to talk about is perspective, right? Mm. And how the two things that I'm noticing are one, how in some ways the world stopped, and in other ways it's kept going. And then also how this seems to be the thing everyone, the mindshare capturer of everything, right? There's still so much stuff going on. There is still a vice, a presidential nomination process for the Democratic Party uh, yeah, that I is totally still happening. I forgot about that. Impeachment ended not that recently, and yet these two things have been completely forgotten. Somehow they're still happening, but, but they've also stopped. You are right. I was reading an article in The New Yorker today about a never-Trumper, and it was talking about impeachment. The firing of James Comey, the George and Kellyanne Conway marital, I don't even know what to call it, whatever that is. I will say, if they have survived their differing views... They can definitely survive coronavirus. They can survive (laughs) quarantine in a way that I think many relationships may not. But if they've survived this far with their feuds on Twitter... I can't. Oh, they're, they're fine. They're going to be the last people. The last couple <laughs> When no one wants to have children, George and, and Kelly and Godway will, will be left to repopulate the earth. Wow. That's really a, a thought to. Let's move on from that thought. Yeah. For a I, I, I don't want to get stuck on that. But I was reading about these stories and I remembered, I had this moment where I remembered how at the time these seemed like the biggest stories. Trump fires Comey, the biggest story. Impeachment, the biggest story. And now those feel like really small stories compared to this. You know, I've heard leaders of newsrooms refer to this as a once in a generation crisis, a a once in a generation story. And it, it feels like the whole orbit of the planet, going back to planetary alignment and and rockets has been reoriented around coronavirus. So I think two things, and one of these will lead nicely to our guests this evening. But the first is, now is a time to look at history. I think this there's no better time when you're cooped up to read history. Because when you read a history book, you read about some event that seemed cataclysmic, or as you said, once in a generation, something so extreme that no one knew what they were gonna do about it, right? Like as as everything about the Trump administration was happening, I kept reminding people, well, how do you feel about the Teapot Dome scandal, right? The Teapot <laughs> Dome scandal was monumental. It was a huge deal. This is a bribery scandal under the Harding administration in the early 20s. Like this Our was, listeners know Teapot Dome. Don't underestimate our listeners. Um, oil, oil may have actually been 20 bucks a, uh, a barrel back then as well. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. So to read history and to recognize that people have battled with really big issues before and we're still here, right? I'm sure people during the Teapot Dome scandal were like, how will we go on? How will the U.S. as a democracy continue? We're still here. So I would encourage people to read history, not to 
some people say, like, learn from history, yada, yada, yada. All, all you should learn from history right now is that if we made it through that, we can make it through this. And, and I think the second point for me, and this, is, this leads nicely to our guest, is what matters now is people having enough food, having a place to stay. These are the things that are critical. And don't worry about the economy because it's the economy. Worry about the economy because these are real people who are struggling and people are making unbelievably challenging and difficult decisions. And, and that's not easy, but that's where people's perspective is, is how do I get through the next day? How do I get through the next week? Whereas before, the big issues we were dealing with were, what does this mean for 2020, right? What does this mean for 2024, right? Much, much bigger questions. Now it's, what will next week look like? And, and people genuinely don't know. You're right. And our guest tonight actually is, is someone who has a lot of experience for this and who has really been in the thick of the, the turmoil that um, that's happening in the economy right now. So w- why don't we give our, our guest, my, my good friend Beth, a call and uh, see what she has to say. Hey, Beth, you've got Matt and Adam from Coronapod here. How's it going? Hey, guys, it's going. It's going. How are you? We're good. We're good. So tell us, how have the past couple of weeks been? I I know you've been in isolation for a little while now. I think you're with your mom now who's, um, you know, who's in her late 80s, but everyone's healthy. Um, but tell us how the past couple of weeks have been. It's been interesting and a real challenge. I run, I work for a company and I'm the retail district manager for our stores. And a couple of weeks ago, we started scrambling to give everyone wipes as they came in the store and clean our product and make sure we're washing our hands and we would put signs on the door, you know, that we have, um, you know, cleaning items for people. And and then all of a sudden that weekend, about two weeks, two weeks ago, things really started to look bleak. And I woke up one morning and saw that a lot of big box stores were closing. And I just felt like we this was going to be our path very soon. So after a day or so, kind of shortening our hours and bringing out more wipes, we decided that this was crazy and we needed to close all of our retail stores. So we sent everyone home for two weeks, paid two weeks, and we shut our doors. And, and was this before there was a kind of government order mandating that your stores close? Yes, so it was the week of Trump's, um, you know, that first uh, nationwide talk that he gave, I think it was March 11th, was that week that we were scrambling, that all of a sudden everything just started to compound. And then that weekend, I remember getting up that morning and hearing uh, about this one store that had closed, and then we heard that Apple had closed, and we're a small company, and I thought, this, this is what we need to be doing. And we stayed open another day or so, and then we knew this was 
it's going to be. And then it wasn't until I think the following week that all these different mandates were coming through that people had to had to close. And when you sent people home a couple of weeks ago and, and you closed the store for two weeks and you gave people two weeks of pay, what did you say to them as they were on their way out? Well, we said to them our first and our, our only concern is their safety. Our customers, our employees, and uh, that that's why we needed to send everyone home. I think they were all relieved. And of course that we would pay them and we planned it for two weeks, not realizing, we just didn't know. We honestly didn't know. And then it wasn't until this week we saw that this was gonna be a lot longer. I mean, I think we knew that last week too. But we didn't really know at the very beginning. Everything was happening so quickly. Even by the hour, the news was changing, things were changing, and um, I think people felt relieved and were glad that we made that decision. But then that started all the next decisions of what would happen if we wouldn't reopen. And I guess those those two weeks are are up now, right? Correct. So, so we had to, as the management. We, and our company, it's retail, so as you know, retail just plummeted in the last two weeks, really just took a nosedive, and we weren't bringing in any revenue in, in these stores, and we had to really take a good look and see what we needed to do, and we had to make a very difficult decision this week of laying all of our staff off. It was horrible and we just we didn't know when we'll be open again we just don't know and we can't be open until we know it's safe for people to be there so I had to deliver that tough news this week and as tough as it might have been for me nothing for the people that were going through it so it was hard and and what was their response I I think you said it was it was 13 people you had to to let go. What did they say to you when you gave them the news? I think they were expecting it. I think they were still shocked. I, I think everyone is just in this collective shock and, and disbelief of what's happening around us. I think they're saddened. Uh, for all of them, they're all have different situations. Some of them, it's a second job. Some are students. Some, it's a second job supplementing another job, and some are full time. But regardless of wherever they are at, they, they all need the job. And for all of them, it was more than a job. Actually, they loved being there. They loved the company, and. Uh, I think it's going to be hard. We felt we had to do it when we did it so that they could apply for unemployment insurance and we um, gave them pay continuance. So the company tried to be as good and as generous as they could be so that they had time to file for unemployment insurance and figure out what they needed to do. I know it's it's early stages now, but 
Has there been any discussion about the kind of $2 trillion stimulus package and if that will have any impact on the company? Or because it's retail, is there really, there, there's nothing that can be done? You know, we're, we're a global company, so we, we have um, a presence both in the States and in Canada and globally. So I think right now they're trying to see what they can do to just keep things going so that once this is all over, we can come back and, and be stronger. And I think, obviously, the hope is is that we will reopen these stores. I think we have every intention of opening these stores again. Uh, but there hasn't been a real discussion about the American um, package that came through. But I have to say, I... Uh, I was reading an article today, and, you know, other countries are kind of handling this differently, and I thought it was really interesting. Their governments are compensating businesses to preserve jobs, and I thought that was a really interesting model. I don't know enough about it, but losing a job has got to be one of the worst things a person can go through, and, and hopefully all these people will have another job, whether it's with us or with somebody else. But when you can preserve a job, you, you preserve somebody's independence, their identity, their sense of purpose. So here we're giving all this money for unemployment insurance, which I believe in. But maybe there's also some other alternatives so that people will still have their jobs when they come back. Mm. Well, Beth, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And... Um, I'm really sorry that you had to do what you had to do earlier this week in, in laying all those people off. And, and I'm hopeful that they're all doing all right, that they're all healthy, and that they all get back to work soon, um, either with, with the government's help or with, uh, with this pandemic coming to an end. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Well, thanks for taking the time, and talk soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys. That's got to be really hard. That's not something I've ever had to do, and it's something I hope I never have to do. Yeah. Um, It sounds like Beth did a a much better job than how some people have been doing it. I've heard horror stories of people joining a Zoom conference thinking that this is just another morning check-in and being told en masse that you are all being laid off. I heard about this for a company that does travel-related things, and because Mm. no one's traveling, they laid off most of their customer support team. Mm. It's, It's extremely hard. We are extremely lucky that our companies are able to work through this. But I I think Beth has a good point, which is how do you balance firing people so that they can get unemployment insurance versus trying to pay people and saying, you know, maybe we can do two weeks, but we can't do three weeks, right? And trying to give people that clarity as soon as possible when no one knows what's going on and, and what that can do to someone where, you know, live to work, work to live, right, is mm-hmm. kind of the big thing. But in the U.S. especially, working is a big part of our identity. And not having that is going to be really 
really hard. And I hope that we can deal not only with the financial side of that, but also with the emotional side of that. Maybe uh, de Blasio's wife can find a billion dollars for a uh, mental health initiative. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about that graph that was on the cover of the New York Times today showing how many people filed for unemployment this week. More than 3 million people. It, it makes every other week for the past several decades look look tiny. So I think it's a, it's a hard week for millions and, and millions of people. But hopefully people start to get more clarity sooner rather than later on when this will all be over and how we can get back to work. I, I think the only thing we can say is that this is not ending anytime soon. And that if you are under the impression that by mid-April everything will be back to normal, that that is not going to happen. New York City is still at the forefront of this. The U.S. has 100,000 cases. China did not get to 100,000 cases, and China has so many more millions and millions of people than us. So we don't know when this is going to end. We're all going to get through it, but it's not ending anytime soon, and it's not going to be easy. This has been Corona Pod. Thanks for listening. Until we chat next time, stay healthy. Corona Pod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat. <laughs>